0: Hi, this is Kim Davis, and welcome to another one-on-one podcast. I have to me today Trevor Legwinsky who is Chief Strategy Officer at SearchSpring. Trevor, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Kim. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Are we chatting a little bit before we started? I know SearchSpring is based over on the West Coast. You're currently working remotely, so what, what do you do with the company?
1: Sure. Uh, thank you, Kim. Um, currently, right now, I'm the Chief Strategy Officer, so my role is really two parts. Um, looking at our overall product strategy, so how are we satisfying and really fitting the needs of our retail customers, and then on the growth side, I oversee our sales, marketing, and operation team. So taking that product strategy into how do we go to market with that and really create demand for our product.
0: Okay. Now, SearchSpring itself interesting historical background. It's been around about eight years, you told me. And it begins with search, but not with website search. So tell me how it will how start out.
1: Sure. Um, a little bit quick history on the company. Uh, Gareth and Scott, the two co-founders, Gareth was actually creating uh, back-end solutions for CRM uh, systems for call centers. And he was working with a retailer who asked him to build a search functionality for their call center to improve the speed and efficiency of their call center team in the buying process. So that's really where search ring started and then from there it moved into we needed a search function on the front end of our website and the company has organically grown over the last eight and a half years roughly to about almost 600 customers now um, across really seven retail verticals. Our main verticals are really apparel, beauty, uh, home decor, and then we have a blend of B2B and automotive slash industrial
0: customers. Okay. Now, I, I think if you'd asked me two years ago whether I expected to be writing much about front-end, front-end search engines, I would have thought, well, not really. But actually, over the last year, two years, it's become a very sexy space suddenly because all of these things you can now do, when a customer just starts to type a search in there. So talk about that a bit.
1: Yeah, I think we've we've seen a, a real shift in consumer behavior um, and also kind of a mix-up on the retail side of, you know, with, with mobile phones and even Alexa, the way consumers have access to brands has significantly changed. Um, I've been doing this for about 12 years. I had spent about 10 years on the retail side and seeing the evolution of just when e-commerce launched to whatever the buzzer you want to use, Omni Channel now, right. where a lot of consumers are really researching online and then going to a store, and it's your—it's not really a linear path anymore. Um, it's more of they look online, they may go in the store, they may buy online, different devices. So what we're seeing is people are, are using not only to search, um, but it's more a combination of search, browse, um, guided selling where they're looking for specific occasions, styles that may be applicable to them, mm-hmm and really they're they're wanting to look for the fastest way to get to the product. So, you know, search is part of the solution. We see generally people, it's anywhere between 10 and 40 percent, depending on the retail vertical, are using search, um, but it's a significant driver of revenue. So in some cases we may have retailers using, you know, 10 percent of their traffic uses search, but it's driving 40 percent of their revenue. Um, so it, it's, it may seem small on percentage basis, but it's actually large on a revenue basis. And you know, with machine learning and AI and things are going to come out. What we're finding is retailers are looking for a solution that can part of its customer experience. I uh, kind of look at it as layers of a cake. Okay. You know, Customer experience is kind of your your foundation of you know how do people interact with your brand, your site on the front end. Then you have this layer of what we're calling merchandising. So, you know, how do you get the right products in front of your consumers? Um, And that's really where we're focusing a lot of our time now is this merchandising layer of trying to find ways that we can help merchandising teams be more effective with their time. Right. Um, Because one example is we were talking to a retailer who had 26 merchandisers across eight countries and they have 80,000 products and they had 100 products a day. You know, if you're thinking about an 80-20 rule, you know, generally most retailers, 80% of their revenue comes from 20% of their products.
0: <laughs> okay. But, yeah. But so the the thing which has struck me recently is all the things I'm hearing about what you can do if you put a search, like on an e-commerce site, together with machine learning, you can really uh, do remarkable things to personalize the shoppers visit to the site they come there with a, an idea of what they want, and especially if they 've been there before and you already have some data about them, but even sometimes for first time visitors based on their behavior once they arrive at the site, you can start guiding them down a the journey can 't you mm-hmm. How do you go about that sure
1: so so definitely um, you know there's there 's different layers we started my actually twelve years ago with machine learning that was mm-hmm. kind of the beginning of how do we look at the wisdom of the crowds and provide, you may also like. So if you and I are shopping on the site, we can give you an idea of what other people are buying. With with AI now uh, moving more towards, we can look at you on an individual basis. Right. And what you're describing, I like to break it up into two buckets. You know, you have your new new visitor bucket and you have your returning visitor bucket. Okay. And really where I think personalization helps now is more we're finding retailers, and personally, when I was running e-commerce, are moving away from conversion to lifetime value. Uh-huh. So yep. on the new customer side, what we're able to do is say, you know, Kim, you come to the site, we can look at the wisdom of the crowd initial data, but what we're starting to do on personalization, we're actually working on a beta of this right now, is balancing implicit and explicit feedback. Okay. So, as you're browsing through the site, we can start to look at, you know, let's say a apparel site, you know, the colors, the sizes, the brands yep. in real time and start to filter down based on your, you know, even of some extent if you're hovering over a product as you're browsing intent. So we're able to take in the attributes you're looking at and also your context and your intent in real time and personalize that first experience. So with the goal of a new visitor, you want them to convert, right? Yeah. To get that initial sale, which generally it's a lower conversion rate, low, lower AOV, but at least you're getting them in the door. Yeah. And then where personalization really shines is more on the repeat purchases, where you're looking at how can I drive lifetime value for my customers, and we're able to take in your purchase data from if you have stores, that information, your past purchases, um, and merge those two together with the idea and intent that we can make that second, third, fourth, fifth experience yeah. hyper personalized for you because that's really what you know consumers are asking for now is you know in the past it was have the right products, then we've had this confluence of you know um, discounting and promotions that's gone on, sure. and really now people are are moving towards. Hey, I want the experience, which to us is really a combination of, you know, the site experience, um, the products that you offer, and how do you combine that together into one cohesive package yes. that's really differentiated from your competition. And, and that's where, you know, we feel the personalization step, and even some people are calling it individualization as a new terminology. Okay. Yep. Is kind of moving to that one-to-one with the user, because we liken the old school way of machine learning is kind of looking at what's everyone doing in your store and recommending. But personalization or even individualization now is, if yeah. you were to walk into my brick and mortar store, I'm that person in the store giving you that kind of personal touch experience. And that's what we're really trying to achieve online. Nice.
0: I noticed from my research, you're doing this obviously for, um, for desktop and for mobile. I was wondering how much mobile is driving this because, One of the things is you've got very limited screen space, you've probably got limited time, limited attention span. Someone starts searching on mobile for something, it becomes that much more important to give them what they're looking for, even before they know they're looking for (laughs) it.
1: Exactly, and that's what we're finding. Mobile is driving a lot of the innovation and also, I think, the need for almost simplicity in the experience. Um, Because what we've seen historically is mobile conversion rates are roughly half to sixty percent of desktop right and I think the the two reasons behind that are it's use case based where a lot of people are just browsing on the phone you know they're doing pre-research before they go to the store yeah. I think that's one bucket um, the other bucket is you know people are starting to buy more online and what we're finding is search is super integral to that I experience where we're having people integrate us not only in the responsive site or their MDOT website but also in the app because those first let's say 15-20 seconds of helping them find exactly what they're looking for you know if you have 50,000 products how do you get them to the first let's say 20 right that's very important and the algorithms behind that are really kind of the differentiator of how do you get them to that product very quickly, yeah. but also a more simplified user experience. So it's kind of a blending of what we like to call kind of the intelligence and relevancy, and then product discovery, yeah. and then the customer experience layer are kind of the two that okay. really drive that experience.
0: And there's e- ease of checkout, obviously, is an important part of mobile as well.
1: Yeah, and I think you know we're we're focused on you know how do we tee them up for yeah. the buying process. That's where we essentially stop. But I think with, you know, we're we're actually working on an article right now about how Apple Pay, because really the majority of the friction in the buying process, I'd say some is before the checkout. Mm-hmm. I think the majority, you know, when I've built e-commerce sites with my teams is you have this high level of friction. And I knew when Apple released, you know, the Apple Pay, it was a matter of time before that if they added that to e-commerce, I think we're going to see conversion rates go up significantly for people who are not browsing but have that buying intent because there's generally such a high bounce rate in the checkout because if you have to re-enter all your information oh boy haven't we all been there (laughs) yes yes
0: okay um talking about then this uh, you're trying to ease the friction on the first part of the journey and when we were talking before we uh, before i hit record you said something which i thought was a little bit controversial You you may not You're saying that it's not all about automation and automated recommendations, automated personalization. I know there are vendors out there who are selling AI solutions to e-commerce where they say basically you take your hands off and it'll do everything for you. you Okay, you give it data, you give it your previous campaigns, you give it creative. It'll choose the images, it'll choose the colors, it'll do all that. But you're saying there's actually still art involved in merchandising.
1: So. Yeah, th- I think it's, you know, the, the set and forget is somewhat of a fallacy where I was at the MIT event in Boston and um, they were talking about Watson. Mm-hmm. And I had asked, you know, it's great in theory, but how many people do you need to manage it and train it? So I think AI and, and machine learning are great in concept, there's still, you need to train the algorithms, You need it's not a set and forget, right. you need to continually optimize it. Where I think in, in merchandising specifically, and, and when I say merchandising, that's, you know, creating cross-sells and upsells, you know, visually creating outfits, things along those lines, there still is an art and a science. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it on the retail side in boardrooms where one division says, automate everything. And then the merchandising team says, no, there's an art to it. You know, it's called visual merchandising for a reason. Yeah. When you walk by, you know, a brick-and-mortar store window, an algorithm isn't determining what is in that window. People are. So I think what we're seeing is, you know, we're selling this vision of AI, but there still needs to be a blend of art and science. AI is the science part, but the way we see it is more as it's an enabler. So. Yes. You have the artist who's a merchandiser, and they're using AI recommendations to guide their decisions. Because if you have 80,000 SKUs on your website, historically, you're looking at Excel sheets and trying to figure out what to do.
0: <laughs> right. So, that's a debate, which is obviously a fascinating <laughs> one, it's going to continue. What's, uh, what's down the road for Search Spring, where are you positioning yourselves for the future?
1: Sure. And that's been... Uh, a big topic of debate. You know, I think looking at all the buzzwords that are out there in the industry. You know, there's. I remember looking at the the latest Martech, and there's 5,000 SaaS vendors now. Uh, we've been thinking about this, and, and it keeps growing. I think yeah. it's 40% yeah. since last year. So we're really positioning and kind of hanging our hat now on on merchandising. Right. And when we think of merchandising, you know, really in in Q2 and Q3 we're working on merchandising from a function of how do we enable retailers on an analytics side, which we can have our actual insights where we can help you effectively quadrant off into four quadrants where you should spend your time. So part of our roadmap is analytics and really guiding you as a merchandiser into more where do I spend my time? So making you more efficient on your time savings and then on the other side it's more on empowering tools. Yeah. So and the tools are what we're calling kind of our product boosting rules where we're allowing you to effectively add new products, build landing pages with some recommendations, but for example, you know, a retailer we were working with, they have twenty-three international sites, they add a thousand products every two weeks they used to have to manually drag every product into multiple categories. Wow. Yeah. With our new tool, you can click two rules and it'll automatically merchandise those products. So what used to take them sometimes three days to a week, now it takes them about 15 minutes. Right. So we're really looking at how do we save the retailers time, um, give them tools to be more effective, and then the third one that we're working on right now in beta is our personalization functionality. Okay which is something that we're testing. And it's it's a different twist, um, really. I joined SearchBring because I wasn't happy with the retail tech vendors out there. And we're taking a kind of combined approach where we're blending implicit and explicit. So, you know, explicit feedback, we're giving the user the ability to actually influence the algorithm okay. through a simple widget or a pop-up. Yeah. Um, and then the implicit is, of course, we're gathering feedback but kind of what we learn through customer research is consumers want the ability to influence results. Interesting. Uh, because they you know, everyone has a different world view. You know, a lot of the algorithms break. You know, if I'm <laughs> buying something for my wife or yeah. you might be something buying something now that you're not gonna use anymore and you can the algorithms can take into account decay, but consumers still want to have a choice. I think without having choice there's somewhat of a creep factor. Where we're blending choice and the algorithm together to kind of bring this best of breed solution on the personalization front, and it's something we're really excited about.
0: Okay, so much broader e commerce e commerce solution. You've come a long way from just search. Yes, we have. <laughs> okay, travel rather time. Thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much, Kim.
0: Really appreciate it. And everyone, look out for the next one on one podcast.